So, the proper way to pray, the proper way for a man to pray, said Deacon Lemuel Keys, and the only proper attitude is down upon his knees. No, I should say the way to pray, said Reverend Mr. Wise, is standing straight with outstretched arms and solemn upturned eyes. Oh, no, 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 said Elder Snow. Such posture is too proud. A man should pray with eyes fast closed and head contritely bowed. It seems to me his hands should be serenely clasped in front. With both thumbs pointing to the ground, said the Reverend Mr. Blunt. Last year I fell in Hodgkin's well. Head first, said Farmer Brown, with both my feet a sticking up and my head a pointing down. And I prayed hard right then and there, best prayer I ever said. The prayingest prayer I ever prayed was standing on my head. <laughs> Author unknown. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about prayer. It's mentioned over 600 times. And almost half of those are in the New Testament. As a matter of fact, as Christians, prayer should be one of the pillars of our daily life. Along with reading the word, renewing our mind, controlling our mouth and obedience. But we should be praying. Hopefully, as Christians, you're praying for your loved ones. Uh, hopefully, you're praying uh, for a God to give you the right individual to lead your church. Hopefully, you're praying that this church will be a church of positive impact in Circle, in Macomb County, in the surrounding area. Hopefully you're praying for uh, the state of Montana and our United States, and then as other needs come up. Hopefully prayer is one of your pillars, and we in Sunday school this morning heard about prayer. And the Bible has a lot to say. Uh, Philippians 4, 7 and 8. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall mount guard or be a sentinel over your mind and emotions. You know, I think it's interesting that normally warriors are guards. They're the ones who are sentinels. But the Bible tells us in Philippians 4, 6, and, or 7, and 8, that the peace of God is so powerful that it's the sentinel that's going to guard your mind and emotions. I think that's pretty interesting. And then, of course, James tells us, chapter 5, that the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous person, uh, and understand, if you're a child of God, you're righteous. Well, I don't feel like that. It doesn't matter. Amen. Bible says God has declared you righteous, has great power and dynamic results. And so the Bible has a lot to say about prayer. But since there is no knowing from the time when we pray to when the answer manifests itself, we don't know what that time period is going to be. That can pretty, be a pretty stressful time. Now, we know that the Bible tells us we need to wait upon the Lord. And we know we just closed a, a, a series on the advantages of waiting on God. But I want to share with you this morning just three things that you can do when you've prayed a prayer and you're having to wait upon God. 
that will help make that time easier. And maybe none of you ever struggle. I'm sure none of you have ever struggled with from the time you've prayed to when the end comes. But I'll be truthful, I do sometimes. And I want to share with you three things that you can do that will make that time period just a little bit easier and hopefully open you up so you can receive the wonderful things of God. Turn in your Bible to Acts chapter 3, would you please? Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, and I'm going to start in verse 1. Very familiar story. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. That was about 2 to 3 p.m. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to beg alms of those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look on us. And so the lame man gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them expecting. The word expecting in the Greek, I'm about to drop the offering here, we don't want to do that. Um, the word expecting in the Greek actually comes from the Greek word to anticipate in thought. To anticipate in thought. Now, you don't have to, but if you were to turn to Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1, very familiar scripture. Now faith is the substance of things hoped. There's that word hoped again, hoped for. And that word in the Greek means to anticipate with pleasure. And so according to Hebrews, faith, hope, is what faith gives substance to. But there is a real difference between what the Bible blah. Honey, did you give me something this morning? I'm having trouble speaking. There's a real difference between what the Bible says is hope and what the world terms as hope. Now, let me say this before I explain the two differences. The strength of your hope is determined by what your hope is based on. Let me say that again. The strength of your hope is determined by what your hope is based on. I know a lady who, well, do you mind if I tell them, honey, about your childhood and hoping, okay, thank you. Um, I didn't want to walk home today, so I asked my wife for permission. <laughs> but my wife and I both came from uh, less than normal families. Now, I loved her mom and dad, okay, I really did. Uh, but when she was a child, we both came from homes where people drank a lot and there was out. But we were talking one day, and the same was true for me, but as a child, there would be times, her mom, she lived in Alice, Texas, and about a hundred some miles away in the valley of South Texas was her grandma. And she just loved her grandma and grandpa, and as a matter of fact, later in life she was raised by them. And her mom and dad would come to him and say, well, maybe this weekend we're going to go down and see your grandma and grandpa. And for that young lady, that child, boy, that was exciting. Except if mom and dad got to drinking and arguing, well, we just ain't going. And the trip was called off. And so her hope 
was more, well, I, I just wish they wouldn't drink so we can at least go. Do you see what I'm saying? Because their hope wasn't built on something stable, it was more of a wish. Now, turn with me to Romans chapter 4. I want to show you Bible hope. Romans chapter 4. Are y'all here yet? Nobody's... Y'all, amen? Say something. Nod, shake your head. Do amen. Some, okay. okay, thank you, brother. I appreciate that. Romans chapter 4. Now, in Romans chapter 4, and I'm just going to start in verse 18, but I want to set it up. In Romans chapter 4, God tells Abraham, Abraham, I've made you the father of many nations. And I'm going to do that. You and your wife are going to have a son. And so in verse 18 of Romans chapter 4, who, meaning Abraham, contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations, who contrary to hope. Now I'm going to give you the revised children's version of contrary to hope. And then I'm going to read it for you out of the Bible. Contrary to hope. In other words, God came to Abraham and said, Abraham, you're going to have a son. Now I can just see Abraham. Abraham's right at 100. And he looks down and goes, well, I am a pretty good looking dude. I mean, I could be a lead. I could be a lead movie officer, uh, a guy, but to tell you the truth, I'm past childbearing age. And my wife, Sarah, she's a good-looking babe, but she's in her 90s. See, there wasn't much hope in the natural. And that's what the Bible's talking about when it says, who contrary to hope, believed in hope. He ex ignored, knew the condition of his natural body, but he chose to ignore or look away from the natural circumstances. And instead, he said, okay, God, I know what I look like, and I know what she looks like, and I know that we're past childbearing age, but you know what, God? You told me you were going to give me a son. Now, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I believe you. Honey, guess what? We're going to have a kid. Did you know that? And he hoped, he expected, they looked forward to it. They might even gone out and put another tent next to the big tent as a nursery. See, that's Bible hope. You know what faith is? Let me give you the best definition I've ever heard of faith. Faith is believing what someone says because of their integrity, ability, and authority without the need for further evidence. Amen. Now let me say that again. Faith is believing what someone says because of their integrity, their ability, and their authority without the need for further evidence. God, you said it. You told me to leave the land of Ur and I left and you've showed me where to go. I believe you. We're going to have a kid. Okay, now, that's revised children's version. That's Bible hope, expecting. And so the first step in, in that time period when you pray and the answer it comes is to wait with expectancy. Don't just say, well, you know, 
I suppose. No. Let's let me read. Verse 18. Who contrary to hope and hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations. According to what he was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God uh, through unbelief was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what God had promised, he was able to perform. In other words, simply put was this. He chose... He chose not to look at the circumstances. He didn't deny that it was there. He just said, God, your promise overrides that. See, there are many things in life. Look at, look at an airplane. I mean, you got that big brute sitting on the runway. There's no way on its own it's going to fly. But when you put in the law of lift and thrust, what happens? When you put in the words of God, when you put in the promise of God, it overrides the natural laws. And when you find yourself struggling with waiting expectantly, go back to God's word and say, God, look, renew your mind to what God has promised you, what you're praying about. Only prayers based on God's word have a guarantee of success. You know why? Because the Bible tells us that God's not a man that he could lie. The Bible tells us in Jeremiah that God hastens his word to perform it. In Isaiah, and I love this one, I am God. I do something and who can change it? The first step when we base our prayers upon God's word and we have faith and begin to wait with expect. Let me tell you what hope is. Hope is a receptive spirit in you. That's what hope is. Amen. Hope is a respect, receptive. Donovan, I know you. I'm sorry, I don't remember your name. David. David, okay, I'm sorry. Donovan, if I were to tell you right now, uh, you're not safe. Nobody's safe in here. See, I just pick on anybody. Donovan, if I were to say to you right now, when church is over with, I'm going to give you $20. Would you believe me? Now, don't get religious on me. Just would you believe me? You would. Okay, now I want to ask you another question. So what would you be doing the rest of the service, knowing you're going to get 20 bucks when the service is over with? Would you be thinking about how you're going to spend it? Okay, well, you know, that's okay. I wouldn't be upset with you. I would too if I was in your shoes. Well, let me tell you something. I'll tell you. But see, receptive spirit, if he said, no, I'm all right. Well, let me tell you something. You're triply blessed. You know why? Not only did you get to come to church with some good people. No, take it. You said you'd believe me, didn't you? It's yours. Don't try and give it back. But you get to have not only hear the word of God, but you get to have money as well. See, hope is a receptive spirit. It opens the door for God to do things for you. It opens, so step one when you're waiting, wait with expectancy. When Sherry had cancer,
and they wanted us to get rid of our, elder, our first child. We kept going back to the Word of God, back to the Word of God. And we told the doctor, we appreciate you. We thank God for your skills, but you're limited, but God's not. Do you know how many times in that time we quoted 1 Peter 2.24 and Isaiah 53.5 and there's no telling what other scriptures? And the x-ray, that doesn't matter. And finally we had the child and they brought her into x-ray her. And he came out and he's scratching his head. And you got to know my wife. He said, she said, what's the matter? He said, there isn't any cancer. We don't know what God. I don't know what to tell the doctor. She says, why don't you tell him it's a miracle? You see, wait expectantly. Step two. Step two. Refuse to take matters in your own hands. Now that's a toughie. That's a toughie. Listen to, turn to Psalm 37, 7. Psalm 37, 7. The Living Bible says it this way. Rest in the Lord. Wait for Him to act. You know what that word is there? What does your Bible say? Be still before the Lord and wait patiently. Patiently. Wait patiently. The second step is refuse to take matters in your own hands. And refusing to take matters in your own hands is a two-step two process. The first step is coming from Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I love the Bible, so I'm going to teach you from the Bible. I'll just tell you that right now. I love the Word of God. New Living Bible says it, New Living Translations. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, Romans 12, 2. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Whew, that's pretty good stuff. In other words, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. We talked about that this morning in Sunday school. About we're being the salt of the earth. And how could we lose our Savior? Savior. I said Savior. No. <laughs> most, most people, and sometimes a lot of Christians, they don't wait on God to act. First of all, they're unsure of God's willingness to act on their behalf. And let me share this with you. If that's you, come and see me. Man, look at the first three words of 1 Peter 2.24. He himself. I can go on and on and on. God loves you. Sometimes, other times, people are so assured of their own ability to get by in this life. Well, I've built, I'm a self-made man. Yeah, you know what? And guess what? You're worshiping your God. I rest my case. It'll take you a minute. You'll catch on to that one. Other times they're so assured of their own abilities that they go off and do it themselves. And I don't know about you, but regretfully I can raise both hands. Hopefully I've gotten wiser as the years have go by. They go forward without really consulting God. And if they do consult God, it's, well, God, what do you think? Come on, let's go do this. Step one, 
Renew your mind and be like Abraham. See, the world, they look and are moved by circumstances, not the promises of God. You know, my best example of not being moved by circumstances and being moved by the promises of God, my God shall supply all of your needs according to how much is in your checkbook. Amen? No. According to how much the government gives me each month, and I'm, I'm not against, okay, we, we get Social Security, we paid into it. I'm not against that, but how much the government gives me, right? No. No. My God shall supply all of your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. My God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Do you want to know how rich my God is? He paves the streets of heaven with translucent gold. I mean, come on. I remember one night when things were tough and we sat down to supper and that was it. And I remember our eldest daughter saying to us, Mom, what are we going to do for breakfast? And I remember my wife saying, I don't know, but you know what? God will provide because he said he would. You know what? Within about an hour or so, and we didn't walk around telling everybody, oh, we're in need. Oh, praise God. I hope we make it. We didn't do that. But an hour or so, there was a knock on the door. And when we went to the door, there were sacks of groceries from a couple that went to a totally different denomination than us. But God had spoke to them. Do you know God can speak to people of other denominations? <laughs> what about the widow woman who was praying one day? And, and uh, an atheist walked by on the sidewalk and her window happened to be open. And he heard her praying, oh God, you know, I, I have no more groceries, and, but God, I trust you and so on and so forth. He thought, you know, that widow woman, she's always preaching to me. I'm going to take care of her. And so he went down and he bought some groceries and he laid them on her front porch and knocked on the door and hid in the bushes. And she came and answered the door and she said, oh, praise God, hallelujah, praise the Lord, thank you for answering. And the atheist jumped out and he said, ha ha, God didn't do that, I did. And she looked at him and smiled and she said, isn't that wonderful, God loves me so much, he can use the devil to supply my need. <laughs> you know. Part one of refusing to take matters into your own hand is to renew your mind to God's willingness and ability to act on your behalf. Step two, bring your body under subjection. Bring your body under subjection. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Are you okay, brother? God's good, isn't he? I love him. I'm going to read it from the Amplified. The Apostle Paul says, But like a boxer, I strictly discipline my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached the gospel to others, I myself will not somehow be disqualified or as unfit for service. Whew, that's pretty powerful stuff. Well, how do we do that? Well, 
2 Corinthians 10 and 5. 2 Corinthians 10 and 5. We break down every thought and proud thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. We take example, we take hold of every thought and make it obey Christ. Now let me explain that revised children's version if you don't mind. The other day I was struggling in my mind about this individual who had acted like a jerk. I mean, uh, was a challenge in human relations. Do you ever get those people who are a real challenge in human relations? And I had some thoughts going through my mind. You know, strife in the mind. You can get strife in the mind. And I finally realized, I said, you know, this isn't right. This isn't godly. And so I said, you know, thought and imagination, I cast you down. I bring you into obedience to the knowledge of Christ. Bible says I'm supposed to walk in love. Bible says I'm supposed to love those that despitefully use me. Well, about 10, 15 seconds later, that came back. And I finally said, I, did, I drive down the road. I just talked to myself. I finally said, you know what? You want to play that game, mind? I'll tell you what. Every time you enter my mind, I'm going to start singing praises unto the Lord. About 10 seconds later, I'm driving down the road. For thou, O high, O Lord, above all the earth. Uh, I was off key. I didn't care. God didn't either. He said, make a joyful noise. I'm just going down the road. It left. About 30 seconds later, it came back. That's okay. I began to sing praises to the Lord. You know what? In about a half hour, 45 minutes, that thought stayed away from me all day. See, that's what he's talking about. And when you do that, when you make your body, and this includes your mind, obey the word of God, and you wait expectantly, and waiting becomes easier when you bring your body into subjection, you can get to the third part. Wait expectantly, refuse to take matters in your own hand. The third thing is wait silently. Boy, did I get a lot of amens on that one. <laughs> Wait silently. If you really believe God, if you really believe He's going to answer your need, there's no need to complain. Go with me to Psalm 62. Verse 5. Psalm 62, verse 5. I love this. New Living Translation says it this way. Let all that I am wait quietly before God. For my hope is in Him. Ooh, that's pretty good. What translation do you have, sister? Well, I've got two. Okay, read them. Read it. Okay. My soul wait only upon God and silently submit to Him. For my hope and expectation are Wow, that's good stuff. The Bible tells us we're to wait silently for the Lord. Remember Joshua 1.8? Moses is dead, and Joshua is taking over. And God says to Joshua, The book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, 
Notice he didn't say it shouldn't depart out of your mind. It said he shouldn't depart out of your mouth. Why? Believe it or not, the power of life and death are in the tongue. Believe it or not, that's the truth. Even doctors without God know that. That's why they get people to laughing and speaking of good, wonderful, light things. And Jesus said, it's from the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. Remember God said to him, um, the book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. Look at Psalm 19, 14. And let the words of my... Say that again. Notice that's the first thing. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. And if you feel, if you feel you need to open your mouth and you just can't control yourself, then do yourself a favor and just begin to praise the Lord, not only for what he's done, but for what he's going to do for you. Begin to praise him. God, you know what? I don't see it. I'm not ignoring that I don't have it. But you know what? I'm praising you for your faithfulness. God, I praise you not only for what you've done, but I praise you because you're not a man that you can lie. You're not the son of man that, that you could... Um, you know what? Go with me to... This is off the notes and then I'm going to close. Galatians chapter 6. I think it is. Yep, Galatians chapter 6. I'm sorry, Galatians chapter 5. Now, how many of you know that when you have offspring and normally your offspring will either look like you or your spouse. I mean, excuse me for you, uh, Donovan and Dan, is that right or Dave? David, they, you can see a little bit of their dad in him. I mean, he's tall, they're not short. Pretty good size, they're gonna be. Okay, if you're a Christian, how many of you know you're born of God? Do you, do you know that? So that would mean then that we would begin to take on the attributes of God, right? Okay, I want you to go to uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, in other words, the DNA of the Spirit of God that's in you, that's upon you, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness. What's that last one? Faithfulness. God is faithful. God is faithful. And you know what? When I find somebody that's not faithful, I worry about their walk with the Lord. Wait expectantly. You know, I would venture to say just about everybody in here has a prayer. Whether it's for a loved one or a sibling or for hopefully your church your community and you're in that waiting time go back and wait expectantly and you know what refuse to take matters in your own hand no body I'm not going to do it if I got to sit on my hands I'm going to sit on my hands I'm not going to do it and you know what mouth you're going to shut up you're going to praise God in a very, very delightful 
biography, Don Moen. If you don't know him, he's a gentleman from Integrity Hosanna Music. In his biography, God Will Make a Way, Don makes this statement, and I quote, Our God can create a world with a word, part seas, flood the earth, make shepherds into kings, make kings into fools, and turn derelicts into disciples. End of quote. That's the God we serve. That's the God that you took your request in prayer to. That's him. And you know what? It's no big thing for him. All you've got to do this morning is make up your mind. Okay, God, I'm sorry. You know what? I give it to you. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you for your word. I thank you that uh, whether it comes in a book or whether it comes online or through our phone or a computer, it doesn't matter. I thank you for your word. And I thank you for your integrity. I thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. And I thank you that your word has power. And Lord, within the sound of my voice, I know that there are people this morning who have prayers that they've prayed and they're waiting, some for a long time. God, this morning, maybe they've gotten out of expectation. Maybe they've tried to take matters into their own hands or maybe when they've allowed a slip of the tongue. But God, this morning, renew a fresh spirit in them. Renew a fresh spirit in them. I'd ask in the name of Jesus. As they, Lord, will come to you and just say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, renew that spirit in them. I'd ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother, would you come to the piano or sister would you come to the piano that's okay Leela you I want you to relax this time I'd like just to sing that chorus I exalt thee and you know what just as we sing one one chorus of it that's all one chorus and then I'm going to turn it back over to Dave you know what I'd like you just to stand and say okay God here's my prayer I just give it to you I'm going to wait. God, I'm going to let you do it. God, I'm not going to take it under. I'm not going to. I'm, not, I'm, going to, I'm going to step out of the way. And I'm going to let you handle it. You ready?